Weirdo bookworms unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hey, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. We're your genre junkies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a sci-fi episode. Yay, it's been a while. Excuse me, it has been. It has been too long since we've done a a sci-fi episode uh not allowed not okay it's been too long and we decided to just plunge right ahead with the wayfarers book two by becky chambers now of course these books are standalones we have already reviewed the first one a long way to a small angry planet and this one is a closed and common orbit but again this these are standalones it helps like this would be helpful if you read the first one you know just because i think you're going to be more invested in the characters but they are she wrote this she's writing this series as standalones i will say since this is set in the same universe, mm-hmm. there's minor spoilers um, from the first book. Yes. So, I mean... If I, you're going to read them. If you're going to read them, I would say read them in order, but it's not necessary. Right. And um, as we'll go into, um, you know, this book is different than the first one. And so the first one didn't appeal to you for some reason. This one have, might. Because you have no heart, perhaps. <laughs> um, and I mean, if you listen back, and this was, you know, this was on our end of the year best of list. I mean, oh my gosh. I just, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this. I'm going to synopsisize it in a moment here. But um, I thought maybe we should share some things with the people. What do you think? All right, let's 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 share some things. So, I think our collective thing we can recommend is WandaVision. Oh yeah. We're we're loving it. We're caught up so we're able to watch every week, which is great. My expectations were not terribly high for the show. Mm-hmm. Um so to say that it exceeded my expectations is not necessarily saying much. It is really good. It's one of my favorite Marvel stories so far. My expectations were incredibly high. Um, maybe unfairly, probably not. It's Disney Plus. It's MCU, and uh, they have been met, and dare I say, exceeded. <laughs> so <laughs> I am incredibly happy. I love these characters. I love these actors. Um, I love the story. I think it's so smart. There's some. Um, I don't want to say revisionist stuff happening but you know we're at the point now where you can go back and kind of tweak things and be like "Mm, not quite a hard retcon but i think we can work with this i think i have a loophole i think i have a way here and i think that's really really cool uh the other thing that i would recommend is have i talked about 30 coins you did i i believe you did i'm still watching that so if you haven't you love some religious biblical horror get on 30 coins it's a spanish show um hbo europe and you can watch it on hbo max um i watched a movie called pure for spooky slumber party holy smokes yes (laughs) (laughs) it's a hulu into the dark uh joint that they do and you can of course listen to that episode coming up soon so oh and i also read the midnight library which uh we're not going to review for this show but i read it on my own time and 
I was very impressed. That book has a lot of buzz around it. And um, I would say don't fall victim to an overhyping, but I really, really did enjoy it. Well, well, my big thing was I got to spend an hour with an Oculus uh, <laughs> device. I don't know what the model is. And I, <laughs> I got to try the Oculus. I mean, back when it was... An infant. I mean, really just one of the first first test models out. There. It was a fetus of an Oculus. And I was I was not super impressed. It was it was kind of a gimmicky fun little thing, but it didn't really didn't really do anything for me and so I've kind of just avoided the whole VR thing ever since. I let me tell you, however, I was wrong. To say that Scott had a look of pure unadulterated joy is an understatement. It was like it, it it's it's like stepping into another world and the controls, the, the controllers are amazing. It's, you know, you really have this kind of feeling of picking things up in the environment and you can throw them around and you can, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, like a gallery shooting game where you can, it's so it's magical. Right. It is magical. There's a quote that I love that any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Oh. And this is magic. Who said that? I don't remember. Oh, it might have been Einstein. Well, you know what? I think that's a great one. That's your homework, listeners at home. It's fine who said that quote. It's a great quote. I do love it. And it's pretty, um, seems to wrap you up in a nutshell pretty well, that quote. And, and you know, since we're in a sci-fi episode, I love sci-fi books and stories that have to do with, uh, you know, a virtual reality. Warcross. Warcross, Song for a New Day. So many. And reading those, it always felt like, oh, it's so far away. Right. I don't feel like it's really that far away after experiencing that. It was incredible. And that was the first thing Scott said when he put it on. He's like, Sandra, it's Warcross. So Marie Lou, I you know, shout out. <laughs> okay, so I think we gotta talk about this sci-fi masterpiece. Um, hold on. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about the plot of A Closed and Common Orbit by Becky Chambers. Loveless was once merely a ship's artificial intelligence. When she wakes up in a new body, following a total system shutdown and reboot, she has no memory of what came before. As Loveless learns to negotiate the universe and discover who she is, she makes friends with Pepper, an excitable engineer who's determined to help her learn and grow. Together, Pepper and Lovey will discover that no matter how vast space is, two people can fill it together. I think that's a really sweet little synopsis. It is a sweet synopsis. And <sighs> it's not wrong. I think it's a good jumping off point for the story. I agree. Um, you know, Becky Chambers, uh, it seems like she has a theme, and that is um, exploring uh, humanity or sentience, at least, the, the living experience. And this book takes that idea where small angry planet left off and turns it up to 11. Mm -hmm. So what would be your experience with this book? I am absolutely obsessed (laughs) with this book. I'm obsessed with it. Yes, yes. It has, I've been thinking about it since I finished it. As I was reading it, there is not a book 
that I can think of that has made me cry more <laughs> and more times than this book. I, okay, I mean... I, I real tears real tears i know i hear you i cried a couple of times reading this book um i'm completely obsessed too i i'm for a reviewer you know we try to have a little space and a little buffer but sometimes when something hits you it just hits you i am unabashedly obsessed with becky chambers writing i don't want to say i liked this more than the first one because i loved the first one and i loved the characters and i just can't i you know like i don't really think that's fair but i mean i might like this more than the first one i absolutely just fell in love with all of the characters i loved how the story was told there's some flashbacks we get to you know see pepper who we met in the first book we'll talk about the characters a little more in depth but we get to see a little bit of the weird way she grew up and then you know with lovey who's very quickly not called lovey so we'll call her sidra which becomes her name um to say to say that this is about exploring the idea of sentience and what it means to be alive or human or valuable or any of those things is (sighs) i can't quite put into words I can't quite put into words. And this book is just, it's beautiful. Just like her first one, it is beautiful. It makes you feel optimistic. It makes you feel hopeful. It makes you feel so much compassion. Um, so I think we, we've we got to kind of break it down and talk about, you know, our audience here. But let's talk about some characters. And we're going to try, I mean, obviously, we're going to say, we, we're, of course, going to keep it spoiler free in the first half, but it's like really hard because I f- can feel like people just want to gush. No. Well, Sidra is uniquely alien and yet completely relatable. Yes. All of these, all of the um, situations, all of the psychological um, ex- examination and growth is completely different. Yeah. from you or me because she is wrestling with the fact that she is an, an 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 AI. Yeah. At the same time, all of the things that she's doing are direct analogs to real existential feelings that <laughs> I think we all have as human beings. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. And so not only is she struggling with you know, she's an AI and now she has choices, but she has a body and she is kind of going against what she was quote unquote made predestined to do. Um, and there's, you know, she doesn't have a basis. She doesn't have a past too. So it's really like just being dropped into this because we we met Loveless in the first book and that's a, that's a whole situation <laughs> a whole thing. for how she ended up where she is now and with her memory wiped. Um, but it's like she doesn't really remember that stuff. So it's like she doesn't even like remember how or why she got to this place in the first place. She's not the same character from the first book right. at all. So you get to go on... Like, we got so emotionally invested in her character in the first book, and now it's like we're still invested, come into it with an investment, but we're meeting like a whole new person. So something else about this book to keep in mind is it does not feed you with a direct plot. No, God, no. Uh, This book is set in a way that is 
very existential. I would I would liken it to slice of life. Yes. You know, because it's not like there's going to be a big battle. There's not going to be... I mean, there's obviously there's a climax and we end up building towards some things. But it's not that formula. It's way more slice of life. Which I really appreciate and works really well for this story. I agree. I think it was the perfect vehicle. And especially because the last one did kind of have like some battle you know, type of stuff going on. And that's great. Love that. Sure. But this is another side of sci-fi that I think doesn't get explored as much. And it's, you know, it's not the warring side. It's like what day-to-day creatures do. It's, I think... It's very difficult to write a story without a uh, a meta plot, if you will, without a driving force. Like, okay, well, this is, you know, talking about the first book. This is what the crew is trying to accomplish by the end of this book. Right. We're, we're taking the hobbits to Isengard. <laughs> really, this is just the story of one person coming to terms with who, with who she is. Well, more than one person. Yes, because there's a lot of folks coming to terms with a lot of things. This explores many people along the path, but the 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 main package Mm -hmm. of the story and and what it really just gives you until about you know quite a bit of the way through is just that is just living uh, a a living experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I feel that we we shouldn't move on to without selling people on pepper. I adore Pepper. Um, I found her so compulsively readable um, and just, I loved her. I loved her so much. And when you kind of sit back and look at her whole story, because we get those, you know, we go back in time and learn, you know, about her life and stuff and what she went through and how, I mean, there's a parallel to her and to Sidra and to their kind of, being and getting autonomy over their own selves and learning from such like scrap to you know growing and it's really cool because it could be one of those things where on paper oh maybe it doesn't look like they have a lot in common but i think the message is we all all of us beings have a lot more in common than we think no matter where you come from or in this case no matter what planet you come from One of the things that I love about Becky Chambers, and we'll go on about this in the spoiler section, but is um, she will challenge you to be inclusive. She will challenge you to be compassionate. She will present things that are these, you know, aliens, these extraterrestrials, but they aren't really, right? They're us. They're all of us. And we get to learn a lot about a character named Tack, who we met their species in the first book. They're an Alon, I guess is how you say it. And um, they are a species that has very fluid gender. And it is incredible it's so beautiful and it's explained so perfectly and it was one of those things where i mean i loved tack i loved them you know every way they were and it makes you think about your own life and people that you would know and i've never thought that i you know couldn't you know love any gender but it really makes you see it's like if you fall in love with a being you fall in love with them and gender shouldn't matter and i appreciate how becky um and I mean this in a good way, 
kind of beats you over the head with it. And and, and let me explain what I mean. Mm-hmm. It would be easy and and um maybe more quote unquote comfortable for yeah. some readers uh to have tack you know, be fluid in a couple of moments. Right. But tax gender pronouns change almost every chapter. Right. Like every time we like meet up with tack again, uh, they're, you know, they like their whole species alternates between uh, male, female, non-binary. And it's absolutely beautiful i can't use any other word to describe that and this book <laughs> except for beautiful gorgeous it's exciting and it and it and it 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 just i i love tax so much i love tack so so very much would you say tack's your favorite character because pepper is my favorite character though i really love blue and i love sidra i think i think i relate to tack the most oh. if that makes sense yeah not as i mean I am a very cisgendered <laughs> uh, male white person, but uh, <laughs> what you mean? You are a very, very interesting person. There, I mean, there's no one like the Alons. Like, there's a whole thing. They change color. It's awesome. Yeah. T- Tack is inserted as as kind of the the reader. Yes, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean about that. I feel like uh, tax. I feel like their reactions to a lot of these uh, situations would be mine. One other thing I want to mention too is something I really liked about Becky in the first book, and I feel like it was really strong in this one. Is everybody is not like in a relationship and has instant love you know like that is not the point of this story and this group of people yes there are certainly romances and there's healthy relationships yes but it's not about it's it's focusing on different kinds of love and i think that's so cool to just be brave and to do that and to not have to worry about coupling everybody off Okay, so I think we should share our our audience. I mean, I think it's, I mean, I, I I shouldn't say it's obvious, but I mean, this is for me and everybody book. This is the massest of the masses. Like, I feel we would be better people <laughs> on our planet if we all just read Becky Chambers. I think this is. I I don't believe that I gave uh, Small Angry Planet a mass appeal score. Right, right, right. I don't um, get it either. I, I am going to give this one a mass appeal. And I re and I retcon and I will give the other one mass appeal too. <laughs> and, and well, I, I you know I'm assuming I gave it broad. I don't really remember. That's what I feel like. Small Angry Planet belongs in now. Mm. Um, But I'm going to stand by my mass appeal on this one. And that's why I said, hey, if you haven't read the first one because it just didn't really interest you, I encourage you, no matter who you are, to give the second one a read. You're not going to miss anything. You're not missing out on anything. There's a couple little Easter eggs here and there. but, But this is such a beautiful poignant yeah heartfelt um and that's why i kind of retconned my you know saying if i didn't say mass i say mass for the first book as well because i've never stopped thinking about this book i think the first book or this book i think about them constantly and i you know i just i swoon and i'm so 
in love with her messaging and it's in the times we live in (laughs) the times we live in these are important messages that she puts in her books okay there's more there's more we're gonna talk about that in the spoilers section so see you there enjoying the show Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Okay, welcome back. We are in the spoiler section. Let's let's spoil this book. (laughs) Okay, okay. I mean, it's a little ridiculous. I basically, I I highlighted a lot in this book. I wanted to highlight more. And it gets to that point where you just throw up your hands and you're like, I can't highlight the whole goddamn book. Like, but you want to because, wow, she really utilizes. She really utilizes every page of this book, in my opinion. I agree. It's not a short book, but it's a fast read. Um, I did not expect there to be a sci-fi version of Hatchet hidden in this book. <laughs> and I loved it. Well, it's um, it's 365 pages, actually. Is that all? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just because there's so much to absorb. Maybe you felt like it was longer. Maybe. Because I felt like there was two very strong, distinct stories in there. Uh, Pepper's entire story of her surviving on on this trash heap god forsaken for place. nine years eight years nine years uh, and just scavenging and rebuilding the ship over the course of almost a decade as from from the age of 10 to 18 or 19 yeah it made me so i mean it's horrible i don't want to say like <laughs> like she, like it made me happy that she was in that situation but i loved experiencing it um, I think I, I'm trying to find the exact place I want to talk about, but I would really like to start with Pepper, if we could just keep on this. Yes. But um, so she's my favorite character because I mean we all love a character that goes through adversity, but I mean this is this is insane what she went through, but at the same time it's really <laughs> believable <laughs> when we talk about a space travel and colonizing other planets and other galaxies and finding other critters uh, any species but specifically earthlings are the most kind of problematic in in some ways in this universe there's also some that are really warmongering anyway that's not the point but um it's not surprising that we would do something as humans where we take over a planet and one like half of the planet is just like our trash yes. that we don't want to deal with and we find ways to dealing with it. And one of those ways is to divide the whole society up into things and genetically make people to be those things. So like we meet Blue, who was supposed to be a politician. And we meet Pepper, who starts out as a Jane, which is that jet, that like year's crop of like clones, I guess. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, that deals with scrapping. You start from a, as a little kid and you have these horribly abusive mothers i mean which is a <laughs> not really accurate word robots for these yeah. abusive robots they are not nice robots um 
I, it is, she knows nothing. She, she sees the sky. She doesn't know what it is. She's outside. She doesn't know what it is. She's, she's scared. She's so smart because they make them smart to be engineers. She goes through this horrible, horrible thing. And then, I mean, you can't really talk about Pepper without talking about Owl. Owl was my favorite character. <laughs> okay, it is Owl. I couldn't talk about it in the non-spoiler section. Owl is my favorite character. Um, I I love how this this ship's AI because, and especially you know, explained at the end because of the way that her purpose was written as just becoming so motherly and caring. Yes, and and. and and worrying in ways and in unique ways that only you know someone who is tied to a ship and immobile can worry about this child that she's raising. Right. So all of this, all of the things in this novel brings up the you know what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have choices? You know when is something programming and when is something quote unquote real? Right. And like because Owl's job was to take care of her passengers, basically. And we learn about the family she had. And, you know, th- that sort of tragic, you know, I, it's it's very like they grew up, they moved on. And then she had two horrible guyists who were introduced to those folks in the yeah. first book who were these absolutely insane evangelizing humans. But she still obviously cared about them because they were her charges. They end up there, and then she has Jane, who, you know, Jane becomes her daughter. Her and Jane become family. There is no two ways about it. She cares about Jane. She puts up with Jane as a teenager. She (laughs) is teaching Jane how to do literally everything. And Jane, like we said, is really smart, which is great. And so we have Jane learning to be a person and learning to be her own person and learning to not be a slave clone and we have owl kind of like having this late in life child (laughs) that she didn't know she was gonna have and and it's like you believe they love each other they love each other implicitly they saved each other's lives yes because they needed to get off that planet and just kind of the the bravery and the wherewithal of owl when she gets that idea of like okay this is gonna be a long process 10 years but we're gonna get out of here and it's just like it blows your mind i i can't think 10 years from now (laughs) (laughs) imagine imagine when you're 10 years old thinking like that and you're you know she eats dogs and fungus (laughs) And it's um, it's kind of funny. It's not really funny, but you know when they when eventually the ship crash lands and they're like, "Yeah, you're really malnourished. <laughs> you, you have a you have a unique bacteria that's 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 brand new to medicine. So congratulations for that." <laughs> but I mean, she kept herself alive. But how beautiful was her whole experience with Big Bug? Oh my god! Oh. My God! Both introductions to Big Bug yes. made me cry. The second time when she when she went back years later, <laughs> ugly like ugly cry. Or like when she bought all the. Oh no, that too. Oh that yeah, too. No, when she, when she's I don't know, she's like sixteen at the time, oh. and she and she 
loads up Big Bug again after years because she just needs something happy. And they say, hi, we missed you. You've gotten so big. Oh, my God. Yes. Stop. (laughs) Stop. And it's like and you can see how much AI means to her. Because even though these people are not living, breathing people, they're who she had, who loved her and cared about her and helped raise her and shape her. They were her best friends. Yeah. It, it's really incredible. That, it, them and Owl. Um, and then, of course, we have Blue kind of thrown into this whole thing, too, because, you know, Blue was designed, genetically engineered to be a politician, and he has a stutter. They kind of messed up, yeah. He has a stutter, and he's an artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has his really beautiful passages where he talks about how things happen like that you know like you can't plan everything you can't perfect things as much as you know like life finds a way as jurassic park tells us um i love how scared but how brave he was to like join her you know like take me with you (laughs) and i feel like them falling in love is really organic and i i liked that yeah that was I was actually a little bit concerned about that, too, because, you know, this is basically the first boy she's ever seen in her entire life. Yes. And the first human being that she's seen in almost a decade. Right. But it's just, you know, she saves him in a way. He, He helps her get off the planet. And they just rely on each other from then on. They have yeah. this shared experience and and clearly have a common bond right. and end up, you know, and end up loving each other as well. So perfect. It's it, it's not and it's and it really does feel like it's not because of. It's just in addition to yeah. what they experienced. And I think it's so sweet. And I love the way the two of them um, balance each other out in a lot of ways too. I, I thought that was really cool. I love the story of how Pepper got her name when I think it's a Harmagian on the ship, yes. and like he he's being so sweet and so kind, and you know to her, and she <laughs> has her eat every, every spice. spice in the cabinet. <laughs> but obviously, Pepper is the one that resonates, and she names herself that, which is wonderful. What a great way to get your name. Um, so Sidra. Sidra. Okay, so Sidra is obviously kind of a, a central character. Um, really the one that we're learning about. Where do I belong? What is purpose? Um, you know, what does it mean to have choices? You know, how do I find my place? I mean, it explores so much. The, the idea of having autonomy yes. for yourself and and freedom to put forward who you want to be. Yes. The idea of, you know, what is your purpose and striving to have a purpose and creating your own purposes. Right. And there's also something that that resonated more with me than I would have thought it would prior to reading this. And that's the disconnect that she feels with with her kit, her, her body. Because she... I mean, not only did she not choose it, in a lot of ways, none of us choose our body, but I mean, it is like she's meant to fill rooms and now she's confined. And the way that she talks about the kit, you know, it's, it's never even her kit. It's the kit. Yeah. Is, you know, I, I, I felt that in a way. Yeah. 
in a surprising way. Right. Uh, I understand what you're saying. And of course, I love this whole theme of tattooing. And of course, Tat is a tattoo artist. And of tattooing to help try to make ownership of your body as someone who is heavily tattooed <laughs> like i i felt that and i like you know there were so many books i like slammed it you know so many moments of the book i like slammed it closed and i'm like i need a tattoo right now <laughs> i need a tattoo right now um i love how sidra and owl find their place and their purpose it is so gorgeous i love that they become kind of a symbiote um I love that Sidra wants to open a coffee shop, mech shop, <laughs> would love a cup of mech, um, and that she can go into her body to go dancing, which she loves to do. She loves to go to raves, which is like freaking awesome, but and do other things, you know, that she wants to do in it, but that she has a place where she can go and feel safe and complete. And she wants other beings to feel that way too. You know, speaking of of the dancing and the partying, there's so much in that that, again, that she describes as these processes and subroutines and files and, and you know, having difficulty being blind in the back of her head because she's used to being able to see everything. But at the same time, the experience that she goes through when she's dancing and having a good time and someone comes from behind her and surprises her and she has a pan she has a panic attack. Yes. I mean, it's not described that way. It is, it is, you know, her body giving off, al her, her, her systems giving off alarms and red lights and, and proximity alerts, but it's a panic attack. Yes. And when, you know, he takes, when, when, when Tack, you know, helps her into the back and, you know, all the modders are back there and it's like, it's cool, man. We've all been through it. Yeah. They're all just <laughs> kind of toked out of their mind and they're like, she's having a bad trip, <laughs> you know? It's and everyone's just very supportive. It's like because is because what is happening is different, but ultimately what you're experiencing is human. Yes. Um, I I loved loved that. And I like I said, I'm just so happy that um Sidra and Owl have both found their place and their family. It's in, it's so important. Um we should talk about tack. Uh, so TAC, the Alons, are technically a four-gendered species. Um, we kind of said non-gendered in the yeah. beginning, but it's, it's four. There's four genders. Um, I love that Alons, like, you know, it's so it's so fun. I, we've talked about this before in the first book, how when, you know, in a lot of sci-fi, we dream up creatures and they're very humanoid. And there is ways that Alons are humanoid, but not really oh. um, other species more so. But uh, it, it's a pretty good example of like very not human. I love that they go to college to be parents. <laughs> I... I <laughs> I think that specifically like fathers they would like father college. I feel like there was a little bit of a discussion of that in the first book as well that that rang with us. Right. It's like it, it is it, when you think about it it is insane that you don't have to like learn. Yeah. <laughs> and I and in their, you know, species there's uh there's roles and there's places where people can kind of feel comfortable doing what they 
what they feel kind of called to. And I think that's really cool. And I, I, I love that they're like, yeah, kind of crazy how you humans just think you can do it all. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah, it's reiterated with the Alons in, in this one. And you can see why there's a little bit of speciesism. You know, they all kind of, kind of look down on humans, not in a bad way, but in a very like, what a naive species. It really puts us in our place, you know? That's one of the things I like about this entire universe is that the humans are kind of the weird, are, are kind of the weird ones. Like, they're the ones who are kind of, they're, they're, you know, people people laugh g- good-naturedly about them yeah. and they, you know, have some fun jokes at their expense. It's almost but- like they're kids. They're like kids kind of. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are kind of the new kids on the block as well. Oh, clearly, you know, according to all of these species too. Um, With the, you know, with all of these books, (laughs) all two of them, and these characters, you know, we, we talked about that there's gender and how gender can be a cool, important thing, but it can also be very not important at the same time. Yes. Like, it's cool to have girl power. It's cool to have father power. You know, it's cool to, like, have that stuff, but you don't need it because who you are at your core is what's important, right? Um, There's some times, and I highlighted one of them, and I try to do this. I've really, in the past, like, five years, tried to rethink how I talk to kids um, because I love kids. I'm Auntie Sandy. I love kids. But when I praise kids, I try to not praise them in ways that are about their gender mm-hmm. and that's like been a conscious thing i do and there's times when owl says things like you look like a girl who knows what she's doing you look very brave and i love that i mean yeah she did say you're a girl yeah but she was saying like you're a girl that knows what she's doing and like you're brave like i, I love things like that you know because it it just shows i don't know it just reiterates the whole point well, and there's another there's another part that I noticed when um, Sidra is having a conversation with Tack, and in this chapter, at this period of time, Tack is using uh, she pronouns. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she, and Sidra says to Tack about how Tack really wants to be a father. Yeah. And I thought that was really a very smart thing to do is to have that conversation and 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 refer to Tack as wanting to be a father at a time when Tack is using she her pronouns. So cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just like all caps, so period cool, period. I you know, we just we need to evolve as a species and as a society constantly, and we need to be kinder and more compassionate and more open and just you know and just try to be more intelligent emotionally and you know book smart wise, and that's why I say like these books make me feel hopeful, and even though there's still lots of problems in Becky Chambers' future world, it's. It shows that there can be a lot of harmony. And Tack is a great example because, like you said in the first section, um, a little bit of a placeholder for us. Because Tack is a little bit of a placeholder for us, right? Because even though Tack is this wonderful individual and this wonderful species, they're kind of creeped out about Sidra. And so they have to go on their own journey of... I want people to accept me. Why am I having such a hard time accepting this being? 
I appreciate how honest Tack is about that too. Oh my god, they says, have a great communication. Yes, when 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 Sidra asks Tack if if they would still care about her if she were a ship or if she didn't weren't in a body, yeah, basically if she weren't in a kit, he says, "I don't know how to answer that." Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, obviously that changes the relationship deepens as time goes on but they have this really great dialogue and communication and it's fair that tack was a little freaked out at how sidra reacts to the bots Mm -hmm. and everything but what's what's important is that you ask questions and you remain open and you learn to tolerate accept and eventually love and appreciate people for who they are right? That's right. It's a process. If Tack can do it, you can do it. (sighs) Becky Chambers, why do you do this to me? Why do you ruin my life? (laughs) Why do you ruin my life with your perfect books? So I think everyone knows what our final scores for this book is. What what you dear listeners probably don't know is what we're going what we're going to actually use as the score. I have my own idea in mind. I have one too. Then let's just use our own. Go ahead. Do you want me to go first or would you like I'll to go first? first. Okay. Uh I'm giving this 5 tears out of 5. <laughs> uh <laughs> Just salty, all the ugly cries. Tears. I love this book so much. And I really mean it. Like I cried just tears of joy, uh, tears of despair, t- t- I, I tears of empathy. Yes. Just This was a very meaningful book. And maybe I'm just in a weird emotional state right now where I'm just really open. And Becky Chambers and, will do that. And, too, yeah. and, and, you know, needing it right now. But this is a this is a very, very good book. Becky Chambers will do that to a person. <laughs> um, I can't believe that so far, two out of two books in this series. So amazing. So on the nose. Um, that's great. That's incredible. And I can understand why people have been in love with these books and we became acolytes right away our own selves. Um, I give mine five out of five. Five cozy, delicious, comforting home-brewed cups of mech. Because home and belonging and family is such an important part of this series, and especially of this book. And it just, it makes me feel cozy and comfortable. Comfy. Comfy. Just like at the home, at the home store, the home restaurant, the home cafe. I don't, whatever. And I love, um, I love all the robot pets that are in there. And like they can like go into them. Well, the robot pets, the robot pets are a part of Sidra at yes, the end. Yes. And she gets to make like she gets to actually she gets to live in a not I don't want to say a body, but an experience mm-hmm. that she chooses and that works and that that yes. reflects who you know who she is as a sentient being. And that's a right every sentient being should have the right to live and the right to be in the shell that you want to be in, regardless of your gender, regardless of what you want it to look like. It's your shell and you have the autonomy over it. And I love that. And I kind of said it briefly, but the planetary message of not destroying and trashing things and just throwing stuff away and polluting was not lost on me one bit. And you guys know I'm an eco-warrior so that was huge for me 
Okay, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Becky Chambers. Um, I love you even though you destroy my life with your beautiful, perfect books. Okay. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Mm-hmm.